I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to the French Rookie Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, and quite literally a massive guest coming on shortly. Is that what we're doing, Johnny? We've gone from Greg Aldrit to Paul Willemser to this week's guest. This one's possibly the biggest, mate. I think so. And I was going to say, if it is, where do we go from here? Different sport. I don't know. <laughs> Land mammals? Massive. I don't know. We will introduce you to him very shortly, but um, how have you been? How's your week? Better, mate. So I was down at Beeritz Po on Saturday. Bit of a shame they got a uh, horse at home, um, but good to get out back to rugby. Took um, my boy down. Uh, I've got Al Kellock here as well, former Scottish captain, Glasgow captain, my best man for my wedding. So his family's here on holiday. So we've been oystering, we've been caught to buffing, we've been whining um, and just trying to relax. So it's quite hard trying to keep up with some work stuff while they're here on holiday mode, um, but great to see them. And then on Sunday, I was also up at Racing against Stade Francais. Let's chat a little bit about the top 14 then, because a couple of the matchups there at the weekend are happening again and again. Trilogies. Which can't have happened much. Teams playing each other three weeks in a row. But you commented on the Paris derby on Sunday night. Yeah. Racing with Streets Head in that one, weren't they? It's that, that like you just mentioned, that that's the first time in the history of the two clubs that will play each other three times on a trot. So it was quite cool to be there for the first act, but it was one-way traffic. Um, and a little bit embarrassing for Stade Francais, given the quality they have. Again, it's quite weird, even in body language and halftime talks, full-time, they're still talking about transition, but they've got some quality. But just in terms of physicality, use of the ball, the ability to hold on to the ball in the right areas of the field, you have to be so detailed when you go to the arena because if you cough ball up to Finn Russell, to Teddy Thomas, who is a phenomenal athlete, like if you look back at some of the tries that he scored, he looks like he's jogging, he's traveling at 30 kilometers an hour. Um, you just get punished. And so defensively, Racing were superb, line speed fantastic. They were exceptional. They absolutely boshed it on the gain line. And Stade Francais didn't have the answers. So it's going to be very difficult for them over the next two legs, you'd imagine. I was going to say, do you see any hope for them or what do they need to correct? Because obviously they're home this weekend, don't they? Right, they look deflated. I'm not going to lie. Like it was 50 points in a derby. And that is the game that you should be, again, it's easy for us all. It's the game you should be getting up for. It's your local rivals. You're traveling 15 minutes across the city to play. Your prep's easy. And it was just lackluster. Um, and so I don't know. They, it seems like teams have sussed Rass. They've seemed Stade Francais out a little bit 
in their attack. So if you come up with an aggressive D, you put pressure on them, you put them under pressure and they sort of crumble, but they're going to have to find other types of solutions. Again, simple things like an attitude change, a body language change, um, but they just look uncertain in their game. And that's what comes across in the body language. They don't look settled. So they're going to compete. They're going to have to change something. I'm not sure if it's... I don't know. Honestly, that's for it's for Casada. He's going to have to think about what he could do differently with the players because he can't change his his first strings. His first string, the personnel is the personnel, but they're going to have to change something about the approach and how they hold on to ball and attack because they coughed it up so easily and they just gave turnover ball to Racing time after time again and they got crucified. So they're going to have to be better in essentially every single facet of multi phase. That being said, the set piece they were decent. Their scrum stood up. The lineout was good. They had a platform, but they just kept coughing ball up. So we'll have to look after it much more carefully and really test Rassing, who were outstanding. We'll come on to some more of those Champions Cup round of 16 ties later on, but there isn't much doubt about the result of the weekend, is there? Toulon hammered Leon, 43-10 away from home. So what happened there? I mean, cra- crazily, after where Toulon have been over the past three, four months, they're now sort of running a late tilt at the top six. They're one win off it, which is incredible. But key players back from injury. I mean, they haven't had Itzabeth. They haven't had Isa. Olivon came back. He was exceptional. Emmerich Luke, who I played with at Bayonne, the young fullback, has been sensational all year. Chesna Colby. So all these guys are coming back and they're clicking at the right time. It's been really difficult for them as a squad. Also, they're on a camp this week and it boiled over. So they've got two players that have been... I think potentially going to get sacked as well. So that there's been off-field tensions as well, but on field, it finally seems like they're clicking and it's been a long old year. They've had to change coach mid-season, but potentially now one win away from, and again, that, that a proper humbling again, to stick 40 odd points on Leon in Leon with Pierre Mignoni coming to be your manager next season. That's a massive result for them. But even when they're going well, they still can't get away from off-field drama then. Do we know who those two players are or is it secret? <sighs> I think one of them, well, they've released, one of them's kind of leaked. It's um, Ori, like really young, tough back rower who's strong as an ox. But it seems like there's been some sort of altercation. They probably had a couple of beers on their camp and, and it spilled over. So he wasn't a training on Monday. They haven't released the name of the other one. So we don't know who it's going to be. But it, again, on field, all is rosy. But I think that's just maybe one of those incidents that happens and you have to get sorted out in-house. But yeah, not not nice to, to see or read about. And Larochelle. Won 16-15 away at Bordeaux, thanks to EIOS penalty in the last minute. But all the talk about Christophe Urias and Ronan Nogara spat on the <laughs> sidelines. So how did you judge it? Well, it's not Christophe's first time. No. Um, we saw the exact same thing happen in 2017 when Fabian Galtier was the coach of Toulon and there was a bit of verbals back and forth. And he, he went across and gave Fabian a, a tap on the cheek shall we say, but like he copped a 10 grand fine and he got banned for four games. So the fact that he's already got a record, he's done the same thing again with Ron O'Gara, that's dangerous for Bordeaux. With the games that are coming up, running into the end and the playoffs in both competitions, it would be much harder for them without him on the touchline because um, he's such a big impact in the, in the prep and the motivation and the speeches. He's absolutely huge and crucial, like pivotal to any team. But how it unfolded, again, towards the end of the first half, Bordeaux are plugging away. Um, La Rochelle come up with a big penalty and Ronald O'Gara's on the field. So on the field, encouraging his players, pumped up, shouting, screaming. And Christoph Urios, my old mate, has obviously taken exception and he's marched over there and said, look, mate, 
um, you can't be doing that. And to be fair, you can't. Like you can't as a head coach walk onto a pitch. You can't intimidate other players. You can't go and pass messages. So I understand. But it's more the, again, getting straight up in his grill. And again, the best bit was seeing the look on Roger's face when he saw Rios approaching and the panic <laughs> setting in of what he was going to do. But look, it's just something you, it's drama, but now it's how it's going to unfold afterwards. And in the post-match press conference, Urios was saying, look, you know, this guy is insupportable. Like, I don't know what, I don't even know what that is in English. Annoying, we'll just say. Really annoying. When he's outside the pitch, he's a pain in the arse. He creates shit everywhere. When he's up in the stadium, he's constantly crying, creating shit everywhere. I can't stand him. <laughs> and he's like, he's, he's lucky that's all he got was a slap on the chin. So I, I don't know how it's going to finish. But certainly from the outside, it was funny to watch unfold on the touchline. But are Bordeaux now going to be without their coach at the end of the season? That is the reality of what we're going to see. So so we'll see what happens. There'll probably be a, a judiciary demanded in the next two, three days. And we'll wait and see what happens. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, let's have a chat now with a man who was front and center on the field in that one. And we'll no doubt be looking forward to the next couple of battles with Bordeaux in the coming fortnight. La Rochelle and Australia second row, Will Skelton joins us. How you doing? Good day. Uh, good, to, uh, good to be here. Great to have you on. And we've got to start with that game of the weekend because we're going to see a bit more of that kind of thing in the next couple of weeks. As a first part of the trilogy, it was pretty feisty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I played Bordeaux twice last year and, uh, you know, it's always a physical game. And especially it's the first time I've had a crowd there and they're quite, they're pretty hostile. Um, I played there twice before. And one thing I don't look forward to is the walking from the change room to the, <laughs> to the field. It's 
think it's like 800 metres, and um, my legs always bond before we even get to the field. So um, I was glad to get through my carries and tackles on the weekend. And mate, it was feisty, but I think we were all left wanting a little bit more of O'Gara versus Urios. Um, did you see what went on and what have the boys been saying since? Because we thought it was awesome. Um, no, nah, there's been a bit of banter about it. <laughs> I think uh, Kami, our boards coach, put up a put up an image of him slapping uh, with that Will Smith, that Will Smith, <laughs> Chris <okay>. Rock, <laughs> yeah, and the Chris Rock thing. So that was up. That was a bit of last, but mate, I think it's just Rod's just trying to deflate the situation and steer it away from us. It's not really our problem, you know. He's a I don't know. He's a proud coach. Um, we also don't know much about him, but I don't know. He can't be really slapping other other coaches, even though he's at home. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, something that I think Roger will deal with next time if he's got a plan. Johnny, you know all about Christoph, don't you? He's got a bit of form for this. Well, mate, he's done the same thing with Fabian Galtier in 2017. Yes. I've heard, and so we yeah. copped, a, copped a ban and stuff. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. But like you say, you can't be going around smacking people if you're Will Smith or if you're Christoph Urios. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. So it'll be interesting to see. But I reckon he's probably going to get a ban because... Like you said, you can't be walking around just smacking people aside of rugby pitches. In terms of Ronan and the the memes and the Will Smith stuff, is he um is he good for a bit of that? Does he take a bit of banter? Yeah, mate. Yeah, you know he is. He is um, straight away after the game. He um, he was he was going around uh, showing us a bit. He was like, oh, mate, did you see uh, Christoph after the game at halftime? He um he slapped me. I was like, when? Like all all I'm worried about is trying to get up the tunnel. Like rather than like seeing what my coach is about. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, like I said, he's just trying to deflate the situation, um, deflect whatever's happening with, uh, with him and, uh, Urios. I don't think that's a big deal for me or, and for the team where we're focused on, uh, on this week. But like I said, we had a bit of banter this week with the coaches and, and there's a, a lot of other stuff, especially with the England coaching, uh, there's a few uh, God Save the Queens going around training. So that's, <laughs> um, so that's been nice. Mate, I love that. The the fact that he came to the biggest man on his team and he was like, did you, mate, did you see what Christoph did to me? Like, if you could sort that out, maybe I'd be much appreciated. Again, going back to the England memes, like, has he had a bit of stick about that as well? Because I sometimes wonder if he, not if he realises, but the gravity of his words. Like, the fact that you say that, you've got like a three, four-year contract with La Rochelle, but you say... You know, it'd be awesome to be part of international rugby, but it's taken literally. And then French media is yeah. like, O'Gara wants to leave. So again, can you give him stick for that as well? Or, or how does that work in house? Oh, man, that's media nowadays, I think. Like with it, whatever podcast or um, whatever you say to a journalist, you know, they could take it out of context or um, he might just be making a comment about how good the depth they have in the in the country with the squad that they, uh, squad that they put up uh, in every tournament. So... But yeah, like I said, like whatever you say, I could say it'd be awesome to coach Tonga, like, and then I'll be the Tonga <laughs> coach off. Like, next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're taking <laughs> that out. That's oh, it. No, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, everything is that has to be a bit of context. But that's social media nowadays, so it's almost like you can't really watch what you say because you have to say what you feel and what you're thinking too. So uh, I know Roger speaks from the heart, and he's he can be very emotional and. And what he says, so yeah, I don't, I'm not too sure if I can uh, really say that's his goal. And you touched on his emotion and his drive. He was the exact same as a player. So like the history he has with the Champions Cup and with Ireland, can you feel that? Does it come across? Does he, does he big up even more when you get to European rugby? Because as a player, he absolutely loved the competition. Do you get that feel through his coaching as well? Yeah, definitely. Uh, last year, we 
it was my first year at La Rochelle and um, being part of Saracens, you, you build up Europe um, very much so how Rog has. Um, you know, it's a special competition, play against the best players and, and teams in the world, in my opinion. And yeah, it's it's no different now. I think it's the only slight difference would be that we're playing the same team in top 14, played them once, and we get to play them twice. That's so three times total, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys watch a bit of rugby league, but um, I remember texting Kane Douglas when we first got the draw. Um, there's a thing called State of Origin. Yes. You, and for me, I, I, I saw it. I was like, fire out. This is like bloody State of Origin now. We've got to play them <laughs> three times to see who goes through. But um, no, Roger's always been, uh, he's always seen this competition as a something special for us um, and as a group. And we did, you know, we, we made it quite a long way last year. And um, hopefully we, we can uh, build on that this year. And this is his first year as the main man after working under John O'Gibbs. So just give us an insight into how different they are, I suppose, and, and what Ronan's tried to sort of, I guess, tweak more than make big changes in comparison to Jono. Um, I think I think for me, Jono was a bit John was a, a bit more behind the scenes, whereas Roger's really taken, uh, you know, every meeting Roger's saying something. Um, he's trying to lead the team. He's a young coach um, and he's trying to... I don't know, put his stamp on, on what he what he believes rugby should be at, at our show and how we should play rugby. Jono was the same, but in his own sort of way, um, he let Rog uh, speak a lot, let his assistant coaches speak. Um, and when he did have a quiet word with you, it was, it was always something uh, specific to to what you're trying to trying to get done. Um, both great coaches in my uh, in my eyes. I think I like Jono because of that forwards background. And especially with the line out and the technical work that I, I wanted to get done there, it was it was really good with that. But then Rog, you know, he's got a uh, wealth of experience in his playing years and then also being at the Crusaders, you know, I think his ideology of playing rugby changed a lot then when he when he spent that two two years down there. Another man that's come into that coaching setup, Donica Ryan. You was you played against them at Racing ninety two. How's he come into the setup? Is he, is he coming well? Is he enjoying life as a coach? Yeah, like he's similar to Roger. Um, he, he left rugby straight away and just went straight into coaching. So uh, he's been our Ford's assistant coach uh, this season, and mate, he's hit the ground running. He's uh, he's brought in a lot of um, technical work for us around the ruck. Um, he's trying to change our line out a bit a bit too because he's been a uh, uh, tactician down there at um, at Racing as well. You know they've got one of the best lineups in the in the competition. So for him to bring that knowledge um, and that experience has been great. Helping uh, Roman Sazi and, and Tom Lavoie as well. So no, he's been he's been really good. And obviously two finals last season. There's only one place to go from there, and that, that's winning both competitions, which is a tough ask. How difficult was that? How difficult is it to sort of re-motivate yourself and feel like we've got to go again? Because it was a great season, but it just ultimately the final hurdle. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's quite easy to uh, motivate yourself. Like you want to, you know, we want to be lifting those trophies. We want to be playing in those big games. So um, for us, that's the motivation there. Um, I think individually we have to sort of check where we're at. Um, and you can see our performances at the start of the season. We, in the top 14, especially we, uh, you know, we started quite slow and, um, and hopefully we're building towards, um, playing our best footy in, in the big games. So that's in the back end of the season. And in those big games, would it be a dream to get to lose in another final and this time knock them over? If you could choose your opponent to get through and play, 
would they be the team you'd want to play? Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, especially at home, like it's in front of the Massa de Florence. It's it's a great um, it's a great stadium, one of the best I've been at. And yeah, you want to test yourself against the yourself against the, the best teams. And I think Toulouse, uh, they, you know, they're not having the best run at the moment, but they've got the quality there that at the back end of the season they're always they always step up, and I think that's where it counts. And Bordeaux up there as well. You mentioned it's like a state of origin three weeks in a row. You'll never have experienced that before. But as a player, how do you go about that? Because, it, I mean, it couldn't have been tighter at the weekend. Presumably, it's going to be pretty tight in the next couple of weeks as well. Is it tricky? Is there a lot of banter on the field saying see you again next week? Um, yeah, after the game there is, you know. It's like Usually after the game, you say, you talk to guys you know on the team and you say, oh, mate, who you got next week? It's like, oh, we're <laughs> playing each other again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know the coaches have been made it very clear that they're not looking at it as a series. It's a game at a time, and our focus is trying to win. Uh, if you win this game and we win at home, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt there with uh, the scores and whatnot. So, no, it is a, it's something that we had to, I had to think a few times when we first got the draw. Like, oh shit, well, we got bought a top fourteen, then playing three times. Oh, that's crazy. That's never been done. And then I looked over, and the racing's doing the same. <laughs> And I think Connett's doing the same too. So it's, I don't think it's that special, but um, it's definitely a, a tough opponent that uh, will be some good games coming up. And do you get more time off in the week because you're playing the same opposition? Because normally, obviously, uh, you'd have sessions sort of tailored toward... You're like, yeah. I, know, I know what the plan is now, so give me a bit more time off in between. Um, yeah, I don't think we're... We, well, I don't think we didn't specifically ask for time off, but um, I think... Just the, the way it goes, you play a team three times. Like, how how much can you review? Um, you can, I guess, if they've if they change their team dramatically the day before. But you know, you, every team has their own style, and changing players doesn't really change how they play really. So I think for us, it's just trying to be be fresh for the weekend. You know, it was a physical game on the weekend. I was I was really soft in the match. A lot of players were. So um, it's about I think recovery um, this week at the start of the week and we really build up to make sure that we put out a, a good performance on, on Saturday. Toa Asa has asked us to ask you about your family, a man that you probably know fairly well, but he said, can you tell us a bit about your family and that there are actually some bigger members of your family that are even larger than you are, that are fairly handy <laughs> with rugby ball as well? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I grew up with Toa. He's... Um, so my yeah, he's one of my cousins, my cousin's cousin. So, so it's pretty specific and uh, happens a lot in the Pacific Islands. Having uh, growing up with different, so he's not my cousin, but he's a cousin's cousin. If that makes sense. Uh, but Tor, yeah, my I've got two younger brothers, Cameron and Logan, twenty-seven and twenty-two this year. But yeah, I'm the smallest in the family, so they're both. No um, yeah, I think Cam's six eleven. Um, Logan, the baby's about seven two, so they're big boys. Uh, seven two, yeah, he's massive, mate. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I get bullied when I go home too. So especially from, from <laughs> Ogara's, Ogara's going to be calling them. And yeah. did you see Urios? Did you see what Christoph did? Um, mate, whereabouts are they in their rugby journeys? Are they playing? So Cam's um, no. So Logan's not playing. He, he stopped playing when he was quite young. He wasn't really into it. I think maybe because me and Cam were playing a lot, uh, it was just wasn't his thing. Uh, and then Cameron played. Yeah, he's still trying to get there. You know, I think he he just got married uh, a month ago, so he's been he's just trying to get back on the field. But he played Waikato 
um, NPC, County's NPC, um, and he's slowly trying to get back into uh, some good shape to play high level for, for high level rugby. But mate, they were really good players for an camp, especially. He had a contract with the Tars with me back in 2014 or 15, but he almost wanted to split and make his own, um, make his own way, and he headed over to New Zealand. So it could have been uh, me and him in the locks at, at the Tars, which would have been pretty cool. Terrifying. Surely, surely, top 14. We had Paul Valencia on last week. They have a love oh, yeah. for massive locks. Surely, boys, somebody yeah. can pick him up. Who come up? Surely, an agent's got to be able to find them a club in the top 14. Yeah, we'll try. I'll try and get into Lara Shell. So. A lineup will definitely only be four men and five men. <laughs> and we had um, Ehio West on earlier on in the season, and he was talking about the size boots you wear. So, first of all, yeah. are you size 19? And second of all, are they even bigger? Are they even bigger, your brothers? So, first question yes, I'm also my boots, my rugby boots are size 19, but they're, they were like custom ones from Essex that they made me a few years back. Um, but I'm actually like a size 18. So, there's like a, a running joke about the deed wheats which are obviously 18 in French and they don't really use I think it's it's 50 oh yeah, it'll be like 53 I think or 54 maybe in, in the European sizing but um, and then yes Cam and Logan they definitely have bigger feet than me um, I think Cam he gets really nice shoes and tries to squeeze in um, size 12 smaller yeah <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was younger my cousins used to say mate just cut your toes off you'll be size 14 <laughs> and you just have a, um, I'll just be all like stumps, but no, I don't think that helped me in the rugby, rugby sense. And Ehi was saying they they pass your boots around and put them on over their own boots and all sorts of stuff. There's a lot yeah, of, of that going. They take the piss. Especially Arturitia, he's, he's a menace, mate. He's always putting his shoes in mine. Brice Dulan as well. He's he's naughty. He's having his pile of respect there as well. Why is this all the little guys taking the piss as well? Yeah, it's never the. Uh, we knows we knows the struggle, so he never. Um, and Victor too. Victor's Victor's about size fifteen too, so he knows uh, not as bad of struggles as what I had growing up. But they know how it feels. How is the mix, mate, in the dressing room? Like you mentioned, a few of the characters there on field. It's been phenomenal. What's La Rochelle like as a club off field? What are the boys like? You mentioned Dudu, Bristoulin, Victor Vito. You've got some characters there. Who's in control of what? Roman Sazi, you got three under caps the other day, first time for the club, a massive achievement. But can you give us a little bit of background about the characters in the dressing room and how it all takes over? Yeah. Um, so Saz is obviously the sheriff. I'm not too sure who nicknamed that, but yeah, he's he's one of the oldest in the team. Uh, he's our captain, club captain as well. Um, sorts out a lot of the social events, always around for a beer, especially invites us. Oh, they only invite us once to us. <laughs> or maybe just the other boys. I don't know. Mate, Victor as well. Victor is one of the uh, older statesmen. He he sort of looks after a lot of the foreign boys. Um, you know, he's been there for a while. Um, Tawera Kerbalo, he's got a bit of banter, mate. He's a he's a he's a funny old thing. He doesn't wear shoes around the club. He's always in bare feet. Thinks he's still in Hamilton. <laughs> and we've got the young sheriff actually, Tom O'Bergeon. He's he follows and says his footsteps. He's always around them, um, which is nice. And he's got his little notebook. He takes notes of what says is up to, and he copies them a lot. But then, like you said, guys like Brees always playing pranks. They pick on Joe Dante a lot too. Like um, I wasn't here, but about two weeks ago, I think there was that sandstorm. Did you guys get it? Still here, yeah. So I came back, and my car was just orange. I've got like a grey car. Um, and Joe was so was um, Joe's car was, was orange too, and they've drawn 
penises and and written stuff in French, which has been like it's not play classic. <laughs> um, and these, yeah, so that's been quite funny. But no, wait, we've got a good mix in the club. Uh, I've got a lot. We have a lot of young boys who, um, you know, who are learning their trades. Um, they're always keen to ask questions, which is always great. Um, uh, and we've also got that experience, which helps guys like, like I said, Victor Roman, wingy, big wingy. You know, he's, he's the king of La Rochelle. I think it's two fifty games coming up soon, which will which will be a big party. Um, guys like Jeremy Senzel as well. I think that mix that we've got at the moment has been great, and also trying to blood those young boys in because we won't be here for very long. You know, those guys are going to be the ones holding uh, the legacy of the club and, and and taking it forward. And obviously, you're back on the international scene now as well. Played for the Wallabies in November after a five year absence. But we were hearing recently that I don't think you're going to be in the mix for the three game series against England, apparently because. Dave Rennie's going to pick the three Gitto Law spots from Japan by the sounds of things. So how did you get told about that? And um, how do you feel about kind of coming back in November, but then not being in the mix, perhaps because of the top 14 season going on for so long, I guess, this summer against England? Um, mate, that's, I think that's, I read something online, but no, I haven't really spoken to anyone in the Aussie, Aussie ranks. But yes, coming back to November, mate, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was cool, really cool to be, Back with um, some players, some guys that you know I played with when I was back in Australia. Uh, guys like Alan Hoops, Whitey as well. Mate, it was awesome to be back in the environment and to see where Rens is taking them. You know, it's, it's something he had to start from scratch, sort of thing. Um, was it with a younger squad, uh, and you can definitely see that they they've got something special, you know. Um, and then uh, obviously, I haven't you know, I haven't been told anything about England, the England series yet. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll find out some really soon. Maybe you know some answers more than <laughs> I was gonna say it could be media talk. Maybe they'll maybe they'll hang on for you and see where Lara shall go towards the end of the season and then make the call last minute. Who knows? No, yeah. Oh man, I'll take some and quite over me any day. <laughs> bloody uh <laughs> is killing it up there. Many gets poison in Japan for him. So no, yeah, I think oh, looking at the series will be a may will be awesome series with um England coming over. They dusted us up. Uh, in 2016, which I was a part of, and um, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't nice to get swept at home. So hopefully, um, the boys who were part of it do a good job for us. Well, mate, it was amazing to see you back playing in November. H- how did that return come around? Because previously you you turned down another approach to go back with the Wallaby setup. So how did it work out this time for you, mate? I think I think Rens and so I played against Rens coach teams Glasgow many times when I was at Saris and. Obviously, when he became coach, he'd seen me play firsthand. So um, he was just looking at to create some depth for the, at the lock position for the Wallabies. And uh, myself and, and Rory being over here, uh, I think it was a, a sort of no-brainer. We're already over here. You don't have to. That's one more flight. You don't have to pay for to bring over another lock. <laughs> Save a bit of money <laughs> for Ari. But we just kept some tabs on that. I thought I was gone because I was suspended at the start of last season. Oh, this season. Start of the season, I was suspended for hitting uh, Richie High in the first game of the season. So I thought, man, I think that's probably me dusted. So uh, but he kept in contact. Uh, he asked if I got suspended. And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, he sent, asked me to send him the video and then I sent him it. And, uh, and then he didn't reply. So I was like, oh, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm kidding, man. <laughs> I think he's lost my phone number. 
But, um, and then when I got closer to the date, closer to announcing the squad, he gave me a call and said, we're going to name you uh, in that spring tour squad. And uh, it was an awesome feeling, you know, just to be named and then uh, to play all three were, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't quite win the games, but it was cool to be a part of. And obviously he hasn't mentioned England yet. Maybe he won't, maybe he will. But what did he say after November in terms of future involvements? Did he, did he have a word and has he, has he kept in touch? Uh, no, not really. Nothing really. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> that was me, mate. My final cap in uh, in Wales and Cardiff. So nah, no news is good news. No news is good news. That's <laughs> yeah, what I they say. So, I hope so. I hope so. And another one, they wouldn't have to pay for a plane ticket if for the France for the World Cup 2023. Oh, mate, yeah. So how big a motivator would that be for you? Surely you'd love to be part of that competition too. Yeah, mate. Oh, just being here as well. It's like you said. It's easy if I'm if I'm doing a preseason and someone goes down. You know, I'll be able be able to put my hand up and and be available. Um, straight away, but it's still a long way, a long way away, um, and it's yeah, it's definitely a, a goal to play another World Cup, uh, but something that's not in my control at the moment. I can only control how I play on the field, and hopefully, my performances uh, warrant uh, selection if, if they're good enough. We'll just clip that up and send it to Dave Rennie. That was the perfect. <laughs> You'll be loving that. And in terms of the overall rugby picture in Australia and selection policy as well, obviously, it's changed a bit. And it, it may change again. But we're seeing in other countries at the moment, I mean, South Africa are encouraging players to go and play abroad and then still picking them. Italy, very different circumstances, but Kieran Crowley's very up for players going abroad and, and pursuing their career and then still picking them and having younger players come through. Is that something you think Australia should do more of, sort of encourage players to go abroad? I don't think being that direct um, is the core. I think if you're stacked in a position and they say, mate, uh, look, we've got no contract for you here, but uh, if you keep playing well, we will be able to pick you. Look at a guy like Mac Hansen, who I don't know him at all, but a lot of the Wallaby boys uh, met up with him when we were in um, in Europe in last year in November. So, and they were just saying, mate, he's like he played twenties for Australia, and now he's bloody Six Nations almost player like on the wing, like he is one of the best players in the, in the Six Nations. So, but I think for me, it's it was always opportunity to improve my game uh, with the best players as well. That's playing overseas. In a different comp, uh, different weather, uh, different styles of rugby, um, and that was my decision to come into Saris. Um, but then, uh, in terms of telling players to leave, I think I don't think that's the way to go. I think if you have ongoing conversations, you'll get guys like Samu and um, even Marika now. I think too. I think he he might come into the fold as well. If you're having those that open dialogue with players, I definitely think that that will be the way uh, going in the future. If you want in the, in the future, if you want to keep those those uh, world class players who are playing overseas, it's quite a strange mix because they're. I, I feel the way you feel, and that coming to France and moving abroad made me a more rounded as a bloke because you get exposed to things that and pressures that you don't deal with back home, but also exposed to different levels of competition, different players. So I felt like as a player, I got better. But I guess. For everyone that moves as a trade-off, right? Because I'd imagine if you'd stayed with the Taz and you'd been in Super Rugby, you might have 80 caps by now. But by moving away, you sort of forfeit the caps, but you grow as a bloke, your family lives in a different part of the world, you experience things, and you grow in different competitions and meet people from all over the world. So like, how do you level up? Like, Are you, are you happy with your lot? You're loving your life in France? You love being in La Rochelle and playing in top 14? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, mate, well, there's always pros and cons to moving with five. I still had a contract when I left in 2017. I still had a contract offered in, in Australia to stay, but 
and it was a decision for us to think you know we can travel we can you know when there's that week off like we can literally go to europe anywhere and fly somewhere within two hours you know cheap tickets um i think also we grew as a as a couple as a married couple too uh, which was really cool and then on the on the other side with the rugby like I was very fortunate to to land at Saris being the powerhouse that it was, um, that it is at the moment, that, you know, I was probably part of the golden years. Um, we won a prem when I first came. The next year we won the double and then the salary stuff happened. So I left on uh, not my terms, but um, to come to France, it was always a goal too, to, to play over here, to try and learn the language, experience life in France. It, it's been really cool. Uh, really awesome in uh, the last year that we've been here. And the three leagues are obviously very different. Super Rugby, you did very well in. And then you mentioned the Premiership, you were with Saracens, going over to France, the top 14. They've all got different points about them. Is it true when you joined Saracens, they they put you on a special regime, you lost about 20 kilos. Have you put some of that back on now to play in, to play in France? How do they sort of differ in terms of how you have to be, I guess. No, I am. Um, so when I came to, when I landed at Surrey, so when I left, I, I was at one, when I first got, I went there on loan first. So I got a taste of what it was like. I played eight games for the club, played uh, played in Europe, which was really cool. I played against Sale and went down to Scarlet too, which was, which was a different, uh, different experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got a taste of it. And I think I was about 140. And then I, just before and then I signed for two years, but I broke my I broke my arm a month before I had to be in England. So I hadn't done any training with all the excuses straight off the flight, put on six kgs from the flight, all the business class food. <laughs> <laughs> no, water retention it was all the water retention, I think. Um and I yeah, I jumped on almost at 160, I think. And there was like, oh wow. Oof. Um yeah, that's not gonna be play on. So uh it wasn't a specific regime, it was just what they had at the time was just trying, trying to train harder and get back to where I was before I left. And so is it similar now then? You're, you're still around the same way. It's not like top 14, you have to be a bit heavier or it's just that's your playing weight. They'd have you at 175. If they could, they'd be like, <laughs> mate, get him back on business class, get that water retention. <laughs> no, not Rog, mate. Rog, I'm too heavy. But no, I mean, I'm sitting around the, around the same, but between 145 and 150, I try and float, uh, try and be as light as I can. Uh, I was talking to Kieran Brooks after we played them at home first time. I don't really know him well, but I played against him at, uh, when he played for Wasps in Northampton. Um, it was funny how you, whenever you see someone who's a foreigner, you, hey, you just gravitate towards them. And, hey, man, that's a family. Like I've never met this guy before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was speaking to him, he's like, man, I've lost weight. I was like, man, how do you lose weight? I think they're running 8K. They're doing 8K days down in Toulon before um before they let go of their coach before. So um, that would that will do it. And you've signed up with La Rochelle, is it 2025? Your contract's up till? Yeah, so 2025, yeah. That's a big deal. So you're obviously loving life there. What's the, Johnny mentioned the mix of players and and Johnny loves to talk about how, where he lives and like, God, I try and ignore his Instagram. It's <laughs> beach after beach after beach. Um, but yeah, what's the best thing about life in France? I think just being by the sea, where La Rochelle, it's a small town on the West Coast. When we first came and visited, uh, the president took us to his house and first thing on the plate was uh, oysters. And my wife's like, she looks at me and goes, oh, I think we have to sign here. Um, so, yeah, they were well known for their oysters and their seafood. And, no, yeah, we really enjoy just the lifestyle here. It's not as 
hectic as North London where we were um, in St Albans there. But yeah, we've made some good friends here, and like I said, the people they get around you, they love they love the club, they love you know they love their team, and um, they're very respectful when we're out. And yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a great place to live. It's an amazing part of the world, and they're lucky to have you. And well done signing 2025. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah, looking ahead, the next couple of weeks. Again, we've talked about the first part of the trilogy. Now, got the second and third acts to follow. What is going to be key to getting through this next round of competition? What are you going to have to do to get one over Bordeaux in these next two games? Um, what have you targeted? What did you target that worked well in the first game? But what do you have to do to get through the next two rounds? Yeah, I thought I thought a positive was our defence um, on the weekend. I think. That's a standard we have to keep. Um, you know, they had a lot of ball, and we, I think we made like 250 tackles or something like that. We had Oof. Vian Liebenberg made 25 tackles, which is um, bloody rugby league stats there. That's That was uh, massive for us. Um, so I think our defence has to keep there. But then also in attack, when we have the ball, I think we have to take opportunities. I think we were in their zone twice in the, in the first half, and we scored two tries. But then anywhere around the around the 50-meter mark, we couldn't hold on to the ball, myself included. Um, they went hard at our ruck, uh, and Johnny would love that sort of stuff, you know. Diaby and Waki just putting their head in. Uh, we've, we've had a big focus on that this week, and not only the focus on our cleaners, but our ball carrier, making sure that he's not dead on the ground, you know, he's working hard, and just having more options in attack. I think we were, I don't know, maybe it sapped us, our, our D, but as soon as we got the ball, we had to show that excitement and, and that, that love to to play that we usually have. And obviously we don't see these two-legged home and away ties in rugby very often at all. And they're commonplace in football. And often you hear about, so if you've got the away leg first in Bordeaux, you hear, you go over there, keep it tight. Even if you lose, don't lose by much. I'm sure that won't be your approach. You'll be trying to win the game. But has there been talk of that from, from Ronan right at the top? Sort of, you know, make sure you keep it tight. And then obviously, you know, you've got the fans, home leg, second leg. No, no, not at all. He's made it pretty clear that it's uh, a game that we want to express ourselves. I think I think the weather will dictate how how the game how the score goes because I think it's going to be wet. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be wet. So no, but yeah, he hasn't had it. the coaches haven't said much right, about that sort of stuff. It's it's very much looking on how we can improve on last week's win. And they also said you know like if you hire missed that kick, like, the mood would be very different to the ambience will be very different um, at the start of the week than what we've had so I think we just have to reflect and um, and not get too far ahead of ourselves and, and try and back up that performance well, massive good luck in the second and third installments of the trilogy and we'll clip that bit up as well and send it today for any so good luck at the 2023 <laughs> World cheers, Cup mate, thanks <laughs> I'm grateful mate great cheers well best luck this weekend well cheers cheers boys thank you mate. We laughed about it at the end, Johnny, but very interesting. No call from Dave Rennie yet, but um, he's putting his hand up for sure. No news, good news. That's what I always used to tell myself. And I didn't get picked, but Will will get picked because he's class and different level. And he was a bit um, self-depreciating there, but he was excellent again at the weekend. Like he's been monstrous for them since he arrived. And so it would be awesome, especially for the French-based boys, you know, to be playing for La Rochelle and then to be, you know, getting down to Bordeaux, representing Australia, there's games in Paris as well for them. Um, it'd be huge but it was just great to get a little bit of insight into the club the operations how it goes behind the scenes um, and yeah two massive games coming up for them over the next couple of weeks so and it was great to have him on an absolute legend and his brothers are even bigger than him <laughs> 
I wanted to, I was like, you've, you've, to, you've told us about your cousin's cousins. I'm like, have you got any Scottish grandparents? <laughs> they fancy a three-year holiday in Edinburgh. We'll get them on residency. Um, seven foot two. Seven foot two. That is freakish. Like Richie, like one of the best mates I played, Richie Gray, six foot 10. Playing with him, you're like, he almost wasn't human. He was that large. So to be seven foot two, <laughs> I mean, that is just ridiculous. So fingers crossed. And he mentioned one of them was also playing at the Waratahs with him and is a handy footballer, played an NPC as well. So, you know, hopefully somebody picks them up. I mean, somebody that big can do a job somewhere, especially in France. So freakish. That is freakishly big. Right. We'll look ahead to the Champions Cup round of 16 ties a little bit more very shortly, but it's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So do you want to take it away, Johnny? Yep. It comes from Leon against Toulon as well. Um, Toulon back to being decent again. And a moment from Cheslin Colby of absolute madness from Leon, but they win a penalty. Baptiste Saran just wants to simply go and kick the ball to touch. He misses touch. Nakatasi keeps the ball in. And Cheslin Colby, simple things. Again, we talk about his footwork, his freakishness, but just chasing the ball down the touchline. Manages to snaffle the ball, beats both men and gets over to dot a try down. So a massive piece of play from him and quite easily our meter moment of the week. And Cheslin wasn't on the beers and getting sacked, no? It wasn't Cheslin. He's too good for that, is Ches. He definitely isn't getting sacked, that's for sure. Not on that contract. That was Johnny's Meter Moment of the Week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full-price item with the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout as well. We've discussed a little bit the all-French ties. Toulouse, Montpellier, and Clermont, they all have the home leg first and then have to travel away to Ulster, Quinns, and Leicester, respectively. Mm-hmm. How big a deal do you think that is? is? Is it a real advantage to have the home leg second? And how do you think those three will get on? I think it's an advantage to have the home game first. Really? I, I do, yeah. Especially, I look at a team like Toulouse, for instance, who have stuttered while their internationals have been away. They just beat Leon last week. They lost against Cast this weekend. I'm like, for them, the comfort of being home and hopefully things clicking is actually really important. You get the feeling if they went away and it, it went really wrong and they were chasing a big score after a big loss, it'd be much more difficult. I, I don't know, but then chatting to Will, he also takes it, like La Rochelle's a well-oiled machine. They haven't missed too many of their internationals. Them, it's every game at a time. So I, I don't know. I, I think like Montpellier being at home to Quinn's, it's a big chance to, to knock up a score. The way they dismantled Exeter, they've shown that they can take on that level of competition and build confidence into going away from home, which traditionally in France is a bigger of a deal. And for Toulouse as well, I think it's super important. Um, Claremont as well, Leicester for them will be an unknown quantity. They're missing Damian Peno. But I think the French-based games, so Bordeaux-La Rochelle will be extremely tight. Stade Francais Racing, I think that looks like it's going to be potentially one-way traffic again, even though it's at Jean Bouin, but you're looking for Clermont, Montpellier, and Toulouse to post wins at home this weekend and give themselves the best chance when they go away from home next week. And Montpellier Quinns is perhaps the most interesting clash of styles because you've got huge physicality in Montpellier, and we know Quinns are not going to change the way they play. They're going to chuck the ball around and try and play expansive rugby. So, how do you see it going? Again, I look back to that extra game. And just the sheer physicality. So what we see with the French sides, you now got Montpellier who are flying high, leading the top 14, brutal in the collision area. I mean, they have dominated most sides in the top 14 this year, which is not easy. 
against Quinns who can mix it, play an exciting brand of rugby, but if they don't win any of the physical edges, like Exeter couldn't, it could be very difficult for them um, in Montpellier this weekend. So I would say Montpellier are heavy favourites for that game. Um, heavy might be a bit much, but I'd say they're definitely favourites for that game, considering how they're going, how their confidence is. They're winning everywhere. They won in Perpignan at the weekend as well. But that being said, like you look at Marcus Smith and these boys, Danny Kerr as well, the way they're playing in the Premiership at the minute, they can pull off anything. So I'm really looking forward to that game. I'll be down there with BT. And yeah, it should be really interesting how that turns out, actually. A big game of rugby coming up there. And just a very quick one before we go. We chatted to Paul Willemser about Alex Ruiz going from ref to coach with Montpellier last week. Now Roman Poit is doing the same, isn't he, with Toulon? I think they're all going to go that way. They'll be better paid moving in to the private sector. Can we say like the <laughs> private sector? Moving out of the public sector, working there for the FFR and moving into the private sector, working for Moir Altrad. Um, Roman Poit, again, coming to the end of a refereeing career. I mean, why not? I don't know if it's going to be your just refereeing in-house or if he's going to become a coach like Alex Ruiz, but... There are certainly roles like at Bayonne and Cass, we had referees in all the time, but they were given they were at our disposition by the Federation. But whether having somebody in every single day to help with disciplinary issues, to help with uh, 15 on 15 training days for, for contact days, if it's a full-time role purely in a referee domain or if they become a coach, that, that's the interesting bit. So Alex Ruiz has started what I think is going to be a trend and we're going to see it more and more in France. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Will Skelton for joining us and a massive thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, Tim. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.